0: This week on episode 529 of Priority One, we power up for Star Trek Prodigy, with the cast and crew promotion peaking as the premiere prepares to play. Plus, we get some more details on the explosive new additions to Star Trek Online. You're listening to a Roddenberry
1: Podcast. Command codes verified. priority one message from Starfleet
0: coming in on secure channel.
1: Hello, Captains! You're listening to episode 529 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, October 26th, and available for download or streaming on Friday, October 29th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. And I'm Roscoe. Well, unfortunately, Kat had to take the week off, but she'll be joining me on Saturday when we play Star Trek Online with a very special guest, Noah Averbach-Katz, who you know as the Andorian on Star Trek Discovery. Season 3. So we're really excited for that. You'll be joining us on Saturday afternoon. Be sure to follow our social media channels for the announcement. And if you're listening to this podcast and want to catch that, we'll be sure to include some highlights on our next episode, or you'll find it online at our YouTube channel.
0: That is so exciting. I'm sorry I can't make that, but that is so exciting.
1: Yeah, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to have him on the show. He has been live-streaming his playthroughs of Star Trek Online. Uh, I had the opportunity of chatting with him a little bit at the Sci-Fi summit in New Jersey uh, about a month or so ago and uh, he an amazingly pleasant and welcoming individual great human and I'm really excited to get to know him a little better so
0: yeah is it weird having a conversation with him and trying to recognize him and and sort of merge the the character versus the actor and having that as one idea when he's when you meet him he's not
1: blue um it was very easy for me to differentiate you know I I didn't get confused. I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't think I was speaking to an Andorian.
0: No, I, I get that, but you see him on screen, so that's where you recognise them. And, and I guess for someone, for any actors who are like heavy into the prosthetic makeup, it's sometimes it's like. Whenever you hear an actor who does a lot of voice work and you see their actual face, it's, it just takes a moment to, to recognize that and go, oh, okay, this sounds weird to see Dan Castellanetta sounding like Homer, but he's, he's being himself, you know? Well,
1: you know, it, it's. I'll tell you what my biggest takeaway was getting the opportunity to meet some of these actors and, you know, see them up close, is how freaking tall so many of them are. Uh, <laughs> Noah is, at, he's gotta, he's gotta be clear six feet, at least six feet. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, it was just, it's interesting. It makes me think to myself, well, damn, I guess I could never be a film actor. I'm only 5'10", so... But yeah, other than that, he was, you know, super, super excited to come on the show and talk about his experience playing Star Trek Online and his passion for Trek. Uh, and I I can't, I'm, and I can't wait to dive into that conversation. So that's happening on Saturday, October 30th at, I think I have one o'clock, 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we'll be doing it for about an hour and we'll play some games while we do a bit of an inside the actor studio with him uh, while he's playing Star Trek Online.
0: Very much looking forward to that. So before we jump into the news we want to welcome new listeners to the show and we hope you'll stay in touch because this show is produced by a community of volunteers who donate their time and their talents because like you they are passionate about what Star Trek is all about so we hope you'll get involved and be a part of our community. You can follow us on social media so you can share your thoughts about the weekly headlines, join the Armada so you can experience Star Trek gaming with like minded Trekkies or consider joining the team and lending your skills and your passion to producing this show
1: now captains as roscoe already explained we are a community driven show this podcast is produced much like one would a community theater group We are all just dedicated Trekkies with a passion for the franchise. Unfortunately, running a podcast isn't entirely free and there are some expenses associated with it. So if you happen to find value in this production and would like to continue to see us produce the show every week and improve upon it, we encourage you to check us out over at Patreon. It's a website that allows you to support content creators like us. And we offer some perks for those of you that decide to join our Patreon family. Family. So if you're interested, visit us over at patreon.com forward slash priority one.
0: Now, let's find out what's been happening in the Star Trek multiverse. places, Then let's trek it out.
1: This week, the Star Trek universe welcomes a brand new adventure to our screens with Star Trek Prodigy to make its debut on Paramount Plus on October 28th. A few sneak peeks have been filtering through with Prodigy teasers tempting new fans during NFL Sunday Football. In the first clip, Dal can be seen making his escape from the mining facility in dramatic fashion. In the second clip, we are treated to the protostar powering up with characters Dal and Rock Tonk finally being able to converse thanks to the Universal Translator. Both scenes are fun and exciting, with the standout being the effort that has gone into the musical score, which helps it feel very much at home in the Star Trek universe. The folks over at Gizmodo felt that that tiny moment highlighted something special about the Star Trek franchise. The ability for everyone to communicate freely, as well as not judging a book by its hulky, rock-encrusted cover.
0: The Prodigy executive producers and co-creators Kevin and Dan Hageman and executive producer and director Ben Hibben spoke with TrekMovie.com about the challenges around finding that entry point into the Star Trek multiverse. With Dan Hagerman saying, quote, We never really view it as a kids' show. We view it as a show for people who don't know Star Trek, which could be young or old. And so we always had that perspective of the outsider, and that freed us up. We wanted to keep the stakes real for an older audience. We never want to dumb things down for kids. Kids are really smart. They may have a learning curve in the show, but they'll get there. End quote. The creators go on to talk about how there was never any other option for the training hologram. It was always Captain Janeway from the start. They also mention she may not be the only hologram we see and hint at real characters like Captain Chakotay making an appearance, but not as hologram.
1: As for Captain Janeway herself, Kate Mulgrew has also been on the interview circuit, explaining to Cinemablend.com, if the character was going to appear on screen, then it was always going to be her who would play the role. Quote, Well, I certainly needed to come back to this character if threatened with an imitation. I think that only I can voice this character and only I should, because I'm the one who knows who she is. I think that the young people would recognize that very quickly. That might be arrogance on my part, but I don't think so. I think they have a very discerning imagination. End quote. Mogru says she hasn't been approached about reprising her role as Catherine Janeway in a live-action series Outside of Star Trek Nemesis, of course. According to the actor, Hologram Janeway won't be as fiery as her living counterpart, as she's helping a ship of children navigate the cosmos.
0: The caring side of Janeway was echoed by the cast and crew at New York. Comic-Con in an interview with Gizmodo. COVID-19 restrictions meant the cast was unable to record together, so for Brett Gray, who plays the role of Dahl, finally getting together with Mulgrew was something else. Quote, I got to sit next to her today at Comic-Con, and it is it's palpable. There's a majesty that she had and you can feel it when we announced she was coming out today. Just to walk on stage for the panel was like the audience was deafening. She is an icon and so I feel very lucky that the first iteration of Star Trek we get to be a part of has someone like that. We get to model and walk. People who are incredible fans of Janeway and all of that get to now have a way into our show too and see what it's like for people who know nothing. End quote. For the final word on the series, Kate Mulgrew, spoke about now being the perfect time to bring in a brand new audience. Quote, it is an important time for Voyager. It's an important time for Star Trek. I think in terms of pop cultural history, now is the time to target this young demographic and introduce them to the wonderful mysteries of Star Trek and Gene Roddenberry's splendid philosophy. End quote. Links to all the interviews and clips can be found in our show notes.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for the premiere of Prodigy. I I believe that this although it's a kid show i believe that this is going to have quite a bit of heart to it the heart that really makes some of the best star trek ever really
0: all the clips that i've seen they just come across as very endearing and that moment that clip that uh, you mentioned where the protostar power powers up rock talk finally hits the big button and the ship comes to life and they can finally understand each other there's some real heart there there's some genuine emotions and the score for me just stands out across both of those clips those little moments that we've seen the music really sells it in that power-up moment of the proto-star where there's little hints to the Voyager theme, but it's still its own, it's its own creation and, and it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. So it starts with Voyager, but then it builds off into something else. But it still feels very much like Star Trek, and it, it genuinely gave me goosebumps. I love a good power up noise and and score, and this this really delivered. So I'm I'm really and en- hoping for something special, and I think we're gonna get it. It's it's a it's the right time for something like this
1: yeah george in the chat brings up shows like clone wars right which was a kid's show Mm -hmm. but has had a a following throughout the ages right through you know no matter how old you are uh people have been enjoying clone wars Uh, and then the, the latest series that came out on on Disney Plus that follows that like is after Clone Wars the The, the Bad Batch. The, the Bad Batch right. Uh-huh. So there's definitely a space to make animated shows that are geared for something like Nickelodeon or for children while still being able to entertain parents right. It's not you know it's it doesn't necessarily always have to be little Einstein or whatever you know cartoons it is that, that infants watch. Um, so I'm excited for this. I, I believe that from what we've seen, the goal is to give it heart. And I like that.
0: Mm, Yeah, it's they've put a lot of they started off in a very good place with the the central idea and then have built off of that. So the showrunners also mentioned in one of the interviews that they start with Voyager as sort of their touchstone. That's one of their, their entry points and their reference points. But there are a lot of other Star Trek properties that they will touch on. So there's a lot of other TV series that they will draw from. So it may not be just Voyager that is referenced. It's It could be one of those Mike McMahon things where Mike suggested that in order to prepare for Lower Decks, you simply watch all of Star Trek. So might have to do that again. Might have to do a bit of a rewatch between now and, and then if you can squeeze it in. Good luck.
1: And uh, I stand corrected. Jamal in the chat corrected me that... Uh... Bad Batch follows Rebels. Uh, not Clone Wars, but uh anyway. This is a Star Trek show, so let's talk about some Star Trek.
0: In the time in the timeline, it goes Star it goes Star Wars Clone Wars, the, which then leads directly into the Bad Batch. Uh then there's Star Trek Rebels. In the ti- that's in timeline order. Star Wars Rebels.
1: Star Wars Rebels. Gosh. This is why. This is why we just this stick to the words. Alright, alright. Back to Star Trek. This is a Star Trek podcast. We knew that Brent Spiner would be returning for Picard season 2 for some time now. You might have thought it would be as altered Ediggo Cybak. I'm I mean Soom, who was apparently just out of frame in every TNG scene with Data's parents. After all, Data was really truly 100% for sure dead, when the curtain dropped on Season 1. Well, that's not the case. According to Inverse Magazine, Spiner's role as Alten, that is, Data's still dead. According to interviewer Raiden Britt, Spiner, quote, knows they haven't revealed much about me being in the show. I can tell you, I'm a member of the Sung family, and I'm not playing a character I've ever played before, end quote. Given Season 2's central temporal shenanigans, it seems likely that Spiner will play a 21st Century Sung ancestor. However, if you consider Data and his siblings to be Sung family members, then Spiner might be a temporarily displaced android instead. It's definitely not Data, at least. He's, yeah, he's still dead.
0: <laughs> I like the idea that Brent Spiner could be just messing with us slightly because
1: he may have
0: done that in the past. And he said, I can tell you, I'm a member of the Sung family and I'm not playing a character I've ever played before. So, end of season one of Picard they were talking about the golem and Alton getting into the golem because you know he's getting on and then the, of course they put uh, Captain Picard into the golem. Oh yeah by the way spoilers. Um, so could they have made another golem? He finally got around to getting that second golem done pops himself into the golem so he's a different version of Alton Inigo Sung. he's an alternate Alton Inigo Sung.
1: I have no idea. I you know what? <laughs> Have fun. Have fun speculating about season two of Picard because I'm more excited for Prodigy than I am for Picard. Right now. I, right now, because Prodigy's even, here. No, it's not even Picard that is, man. It's not even that. It's soon. Later. Just a, just a few moments ago we were talking about heart, right? The the that exciting adventure that also mm. explores humanity and the, you know, concepts of morality and yeah. you know, does its best to shine a mirror on. Current events, um, while still being entertaining, I didn't feel that in season one of Picard, and yeah, I walked away going, eh, eh, nah. Okay, so yeah, okay, I, un- I
0: understand. I understand. You've got you've got faith of the heart, knowing I lack faith
1: of the heart. I lack Will Faith of the me. Heart for uh, You've got faith star Trek. to believe that you can do anything. I know. You've I got I don't strength. have that kind of faith. I have of the none soul. of those things. None of those things. No
0: one's going to bend or break you. You can I reach have been any broken. star. I've got faith. Faith of the Heart. I... Glad I went there. <laughs> Moving on. The third season of The Movies That Made Us has dropped on Netflix, and its creator, Brian Volk-Weiss, from the Nacelle Company, spoke with ComicBook.com about the possibility of a superhero-focused future episode, as well as some tasty wreck Nuggets. You might be thinking the ideal movies to cover in this documentary style would be 1989's Batman, or Christopher Reeve's first Superman movie. According to Volk-Weiss, he actually would go a little more modern and cover 2008's Iron Man. Quote, it would be Iron Man because Iron Man is the most important because if Iron Man had failed, nothing else would have happened. And also, I like that story of not just seeing a movie come together, but a universe come together. End quote. As for those trek nuggets, surely for the Nacelle Company, a film like Wrath of Khan would be on their senses for a future episode. Volguis confirms there was discussion, but in the end it came down to covering all four quadrants of storytelling. Quote, but usually we want four quadrant movies. And what that means is for anyone who doesn't know, it's young people, old people, men, women, everybody. And that's what we try to do. And also multi-generational. My generation grew up with Home Alone and the two generations afterward, including my children, they like Home Alone as much as I do, if not more. So that's what we try to do to do end quote so no real word on wrath of khan in the future but you'd never quite know
1: well while we're on the topic of the nacelle company last week we covered their upcoming documentary on the history channel titled the center seat and although we did not yet know the release date as of last week well we know it now it's set to premiere on november 5th 2021
0: Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to track out this week. Now, let's find out what's been happening in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. Congratulations. Score.
1: First introduced with 2018's Pop Culture Hero Coalition bundle, the Mirror Guardian brought sinister flavor to an otherwise unremarkable Tier VI cruiser. Other than replacing the Lieutenant Engineering Intel with a Lieutenant Engineering Command Bridge chair, the Mirror Guardian looked to be the same as its prime counterpart. Once the bundle sold out, that was it. The Mirror Guardian was never seen again. Until now, that is. With Star Trek Online taking a good hard look in the mirror. Universe it's the perfect time for this one and done vessel to stage its comeback. Rather than setting course for the Phoenix Prize Pack or MUDS Market, Cryptic was all set to sell the Mirror Guardian Cruiser for the standard 3000 Zen in the Zen Store instead. As part of the re-release, the Prime and Mirror Guardian models were remastered to the current level of fidelity, like we've seen for a good number of ships by now.
0: Players who already own the Mirror Guardian will receive these updates for free. Just ready your cruiser. Visit the ship customization interface and apply a preset. Both Type 1 and Type 2 hull models will be available, along with the legendary Federation Starship materials. Now, normally, we'd remind you to track out the link in our show notes at this point, but we won't, because you can't. On October 25, Cryptic tweeted that, quote, the release of the Mirror Guardian in the Zen Store has been delayed until December on all platforms, end quote. And there, quote, take down the blog and any past references to end quote we can only guess what kind of skullduggery and intrigue is behind the delay because i mean it's the mirror
1: universe there's gotta be intrigue do you have the guardian cruiser elio i i'm pretty sure i got the bundle i don't fly it but actually speaking of bundles because there's no real point in talking about this right i mean as always thomas and his team are great at you know revamping these ships and breathing some new life to them it looks beautiful looks great it looks beautiful it certainly looks beautiful so we hope to you know have a better look at them when we uh when we get them uh, in the game later this year but while we're on the topic of price packs and and whatnot i did try to get my hands on that Kirk Battlecruiser. I mm-hmm. opened up, I got a pack of keys for the R&D pack bundle thing, and opened four, and didn't get any, and that was about as much as I was willing to spend on it, for just one pack. Yeah, I saw online, on Twitter, Luke Critter said he spent $400 on keys, and did not get the Kirk. Wow! That's a lot that's, of resources. That's a lot of resources. That's a lot of crafting material that what are you gonna do with Loot Critter? Yeah, Zeph in the chat says spent fifty bucks and and gave up and went for it and gave up. I regret, I regret the purchase. I regret spending the money on the on those keys. Sure, I got you know ten lobby per box, but I very seldom find that I need something from the lobby store. Yeah, what about I, all the new lower Decks content that's in the lobby store? I got the the hand cannon that Shaxx has, and that's all that interests me. I'm mm-hmm. not much in, in in I'm not much for aesthetic things. You know, cosmetic things. I don't really, you know, need the any of the costumes or whatnot. I like my experience to be kind of classic, right? Classic Trek. Mm-hmm. In so many ways, I fly the Arbiter, but I don't really add too much Space Barbie to it. I don't do much Space Barbie with it. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around why they put ships in the R these R and D packs because you can't do anything. What do you do with these R and D materials? What do you do with them? What do you do with them?
0: And look, maybe that's a question we should ask in a future development a chat or or a conversation with Al Rivera is going okay, let's, I'm sure it's in the work. Al's long talked about uh, the R&D being upgraded and and modified and changed and uh, further developed. But it's a good question and I think it's one that uh, maybe the community has an answer for is what do you do with all of those resources? When you are at your end game stage where you've got the loadout you want, you're really, everything is going quite well, what do you do with it? So I'd I'd love to hear some some tips and some advice because yeah, it's um it's a genuine thing.
1: I can see R and D being useful for min-maxers, right? The top, you know, 5 percent of players that are always looking to have the most elite gear because you can craft tech upgrades
0: but then again but, have the phoenix prize pack and that becoming available in the dilithium store has that sort of nixed right has that right. completely shut down the idea of crafting tech upgrades why should i do that when i can just go and to the and get a phoenix prize pack
1: right in theory in theory i mean then again but you are spending the dilithium whereas it's e- mm. i guess quote unquote easier to get r&d materials by through salvage and whatnot um but beyond that i i you know i I don't play as a min-maxer, and usually I don't change my loadout, any of my loadout, unless something incredibly meta hits the game. Right, and that's few and far between over the last several years. Mm. That it's like, Oh, you need this brand you know, you need the new hotness in order for you to cut like a hot knife through butter. So yeah, I I am you know, I just don't understand why they keep putting shifts in R and D pack. I don't get it. It just I don't care how much LOVI you give, nobody's using R and D materials because there's nothing to craft in And the look, game. the last
0: time I probably used R and D materials was to craft some tier two weapons to replace what I had borrowed in the fleet uh, bank because I had got some out of the fleet bank for a new character. So I went through with one of my higher level characters and, and replaced it because that just seemed like the thing to do as, as a courtesy. It was there when I needed it, but then I could later go through, craft it and replace what I had taken. So yeah, it's that was probably the last time I used that. But then again, I'm not making a new character every other day. I'm, I'm maxed out. I'm good. I'm at a good level. It's manageable anymore, and I would la- start to lose my mind, so I'd love there to be more options for R&D to make it more engaging and more useful in the game. Yeah, I think I think that would be good, but a, a genuine hard look at what point does this serve in the game right now is a worthwhile conversation.
1: Casual SAB in the chat says uh, the only modern benefit to the R&D system is a handful of level 15 traits. I haven't even looked at the traits in R&D. Maybe I'll take a look to see. They mention Particle manipulator is is the biggest one from the level fifteen science R and D. So maybe I'll give that a shot. But you know, for me, I'm if I craft it, it's one and done, and then I'm I have no reason to go back into the crafting system. Hmm. So you know, there's uh, as I I take breaks from I I take a lot of breaks from the game, right? And then I feel like I miss it, and I want to go in and I want to play it. And then once I go in and I you know start playing it again, I realize how heavy the game is. Like it's just heavy. You know, between space reputation traits, which also haven't been touched in forever, we haven't had a new uh, reputation trait in ages. You know, all these traits, all these things. It's you know, it's it. I, it must not be easy being a new player into Star Trek Online. It it can't. I can't imagine it being a, an easy endeavor. Look,
0: I, I think it's got easier. It certainly has got easier. And with those recruitment events, bringing people in, you you do get a good leg up, particularly if you have a temporal agent or a Delta recruit or whatever. So I. I think it has got easier but yeah it's it genuinely took me 6 months to figure out the game and I am still finding out new things all the time whether it's conversations with people in the chat uh adding adding to the conversation you know there's always something new I'm finding out or whether it's just talking with cat and cat will tell me amazing things try this try this try this or looking up through the priority 1 armada uh looking at one of winter's builds uh in order to get some advice there's always something new to the game that I'm still learning all the time and I've been playing for a while so that in itself is is something it's yeah it's it's a dense game you're right it is a really dense game
1: well while we're on the topic of a dense and 10 year old game, they still do their best to spice things up periodically. Most recently, you like that segue, right? That was a pretty good one. Mm hmm. Smooth. Most recently, ship and effects artist Ian Richards decided to make an explosive change. The animation that occurs as your ship receives damage in the game has been updated, including the grand explosion that happens when your ship cannot take it anymore. It might seem like a small improvement, but. Boy, is it glorious. I watched the before and
0: after video and the work that they have done on just adding to the damage that your ship takes little explosions as things don't go well. It's not really until you see what came before and com- that comparison, look at how much work that they've done in improving it. It's you realize, oh that that explosion was kind of straightforward. It wasn't bad, but it was it was of its time and the work that's gone into it really just makes it sing and adds to that extra Level of realism, like these little moments where the ship's pieces slowly disintegrate as opposed to just vanishing off the screen. Fantastic. They look so good.
1: I remember ages ago, we talked about the, the ship damage animation and how, like, oh, what if it, well, how cool would it be if, you know, you had a hole right through your hole, right? Something started, you know, something blasted through the, the center of your hole. Mm-hmm. And this is much closer to that. This really helps with the immersive experience of a Star Trek space battle. And and coupled with the lighting upgrade, that just to this still it's been what four years since the lighting upgrade, you know maybe three or four years, and it still impresses me in how they manage to facelift the game in this way, in this capacity. I mean the final explosion where there's that ring that comes out, and you know it's it, it almost looks like a little, little mini black hole kind of thing. Uh, it's just it was stunning. The lighting is stunning. The whole thing is just stunning, and I I can't wait to actually see my ship. I'm gonna go in and just explode my ship. I'm just going to go in and <laughs> I'm going to go into a patrol. not going to activate anything. I'll go into the Malon or something like that. One of the Malon patrols and let them blow me up.
0: That's the latest in gaming news. Now, let's head on screen for the series premiere of Star Trek Prodigy.
1: On screen. Computer, set Star Trek Prodigy, lost and found, on screen. Everyone, hold on!
2: On the remote prison colony of Tars Lamora, we find helpless orphans and other prisoners mining for some type of ore. One of those prisoners, our main character, Dahl, is accused of conspiring with Fugitive Zero. In an effort to entrap them all, our villain, the Diviner, attempts to entrap his prisoners only to be thwarted when they discover the lost ship, the USS Protostar.
1: All right, let's get some statistics out of the way. This episode was written by Kevin and Dan Hageman, directed by Ben Hibben, and Air October 28th, 2021. Now, due to some temporal anomaly here at Priority One, Roscoe has disappeared. But <laughs> as you already heard, we are joined by our literary scholar, Dr. Michael Chan. Thank you for joining us this episode.
2: Thank you so much for the first episode of Prodigy. I'm
1: excited. I know. I know. So am I. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll get started with this one. I, I enjoyed this. I really did. I'll say it right off the bat. It felt Star Wars-y to me. Yeah. But you know what? It didn't bother me. I was okay with the formula, with the character archetypes, and how similar, you know, you could be like, ah, that's Chewy, Ah, that's R2-D2. Ah, that's, you know, it did not bother me at all. And... To be honest, though, uh, in some cases, like, there were some moments where it was very similar, like, Dreadnought? Come on, that's not Count Dooku? But he looks like a Grievous, too. <laughs> not, not Dooku. Grievous, Grievous, Grievous. That's right, Grievous. I was half expecting him to open up the robe and just have a bunch of lightsabers spinning around, you know? I'm well aware. But again, I thought it was okay. So the premiere of this episode seems to have combined the first two, right? So we got and which was why it was a little longer, about 45 minutes in length. Maybe I wouldn't have this criticism if I saw the first two episodes separately. At the end of it, I felt like, wow, we got to the Starfleet ship too fast. Mm, I wondered about that. And we and we brought this crew together so quickly. I almost wanted a little bit more time getting the characters together before they finally ended up getting on the ship. It felt a little rushed to me, but... I'm okay with that. I think I'm okay with it because I think it needed, one, I think that we got two episodes in one, number one, and two, we needed a win at the end of this, right? We needed a win, and and them launching out of the Protostar was great. Visually, I think the show is stunning. Mm-hmm. It looks beautiful. The colors are bright and vivid. Space looks phenomenal. I-, I thought it was well-paced with respect to, once we start getting closer to the ship, like when Dahl is sent to the lower, you know, the, the, the lowest part of the mining facility, yeah. things started to pick up a little more and, and I started to buy into it more. And then lastly, I'll say I I understand what the one Hageman brothers were saying during the New York during New York Comic Con was that this is not necessarily going to be in your face Star Trek, but almost an introduction to what the Federation is, right? Like, oh, okay, there's a Kazon. I recognize a Kazon. I recognize a little Kation, which was adorable. But I like that it wasn't like slap in your face Federation, Federation, Federation it's almost like like if it 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 was a a different show in a different realm and then oh right we're in the Star Trek multiverse we're in the Star Trek mythos here which I thought was interesting I thought that was that was fascinating and again kept me engaged the whole time
2: (laughs) yes Jenkampog is aware. I think part of what I loved about Prodigy and I really did love it, the first episode at least, is that it actually begins in a way that really no other Star Trek series or movie really begins. And that is from below, by which I mean from the perspective and, and really telling the stories of people who are kind of underneath the boot heel of history, right? Or of science fiction history. And and it, that's just not typically like Star you know, Star Trek typically begins with Starfleet. And, and that's the main kind of thrust of the story. But this time we kind of get the view from below. And I think, I think there are. I think it's going to make for some really interesting storytelling. I mean, in some ways, Lower Decks does that too, but it's still Starfleet, right? <laughs> and I had a similar kind of response to the visuals. I thought it was wondrous, fantastical. In fact, I was thinking that I the last time I responded this this way to the kind of visual aesthetic of a, a show was Avatar, and there are some interesting kind of visual connections there. But but it's it's a kind of aesthetic that provokes wonder, which I mm-hmm. think is great right like that's powerful for kids to, to, to see space as not just you know like this thing out there but it's it's wondrous right it's it's an enchanted quote unquote space and I felt like they accomplished that.
1: So let me ask you about the archetypes right the characters that we're seeing they they did feel very familiar. Is there anything you can add to that? Is there anything like is there anything you noticed about these characters and, and you know their the introduction to their roles?
2: I, I think you're right Elio to draw attention to kind of the typologies there. There are some really strong typologies, like it's it's uh, the kind of typology of having the thin one and the and the fat one, as it were.
0: And you're not a big fella. You're you're a what? <laughs> not what I thought.
2: Right. The R2-D2 and the C-3PO. But this is like a common kind of comedic typology, a way of sort of adding humor to something is to have kind of uh, figures who kind of one one very thin, one a little bit more rotund. And and this this their interactions become a way of providing comedic relief um, through tension with one another. This is kind of present throughout. And I thought the doll, you know, the doll character is just so interesting. Right. Almost a kind of Spartacus or uh, a sort of slave freeing kind of character a dreamer as well I thought there were a lot of historical types at work there so I mean I think you're right I think you know Star Wars draws on some of these types many many other uh, kind of characters draw on those types and you know even the even down to uh, Murph right where you have this like very cute like space seal <laughs> you know like so, right. such a cute space slug, space seal like all of these these kind of draw on literary types that I think are present throughout history um, I was pleased to see the uh, the medusans play a role in fact i had just seen that episode in tos i think it's tos season three when they're first introduced that species doesn't get a lot of play in star trek other than in that particular episode and and the idea is that these medusans obviously the name is drawing on medusa herself who's a greek mythological figure who whose look can turn people to stone but in tos the medusans uh, you can't look upon them or you will become crazy or kind of mad at least a human being would and uh, so there are kind of different protocols for, for addressing that. But I, I appreciated being able to see the Medusans in the storyline again.
1: Ha, you know, I did not even realize that the Medusans were a, a previously known species. Yeah. Uh, the episode is, is there, in truth, no beauty? It is uh, yes season three, episode five.
0: Yes, thank you. Go me. No,
1: go. Get us out of here. It's actually a
2: very interesting episode, and they explore in that episode some of the uh, kind of Platonic views on beauty and aesthetics, and sort of the, the the role of beauty and ugliness. And it's actually quite a philosophical episode. It's worth uh, worth looking at.
1: So let me ask you this: You were saying that uh, you watched it uh, with your kids, and what was their reaction to it?
2: Oh, my oldest daughter, who's who's six, was mesmerized and just loved it. And the real winner, though, is that my wife actually enjoyed it. She normally like if it's It's cartoony. She doesn't like it. Like she does not like Clone Wars or Bad Batch or um, not Lower Decks. Like none of that like stuff. She doesn't like any of it, but she liked this one, which made me think that this if if Lower Decks is sort of like Star Trek does Family Guy or something like that or any number of like those kind of cartoons then Prodigy is Star Trek does Pixar. Yes. Yeah I mean I just think like that what Pixar does so well is that they are able to tell stories that are deeply moving to kids and also adults at the same time. I think Prodigy has the potential to do
1: that. I agree. I agree. That's kind of what I felt. This felt Disney-ish to me but I didn't dislike it. It was Disney-ish like it is like you know like watching any Disney movie right if you any, like you said, like any, or Pixar film for that, for that matter. What are your thoughts on the Proto Star?
2: Oh, I'm glad. I was hoping we were going to talk about it. I like it more than the Cerritos.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do too. I do too. I do too. I do like it more than the Cerritos. I, it pained me to watch it grinding on the floor on the like, as it was falling off the cliff. I was like, ah, ooh, the hole. Ooh, stop. <laughs> oh, the scratches. The scratches on the hole. It's too beautiful to scratch. And then the scene where you know, finally the phasers start kicking in and it was just, I was like, yeah, yeah! You know, I was kind of riding along with them. Let me ask you this. Was, was your daughter watching Star Trek with you before or was she never into it and now is like, oh, I want more. I want more.
2: Oh, yeah. So she's seen a lot of it. Like she's seen most of, well, probably half of Voyager. She's seen probably three quarters of DS9 and a little bit of TOS. We've kind of floated around a bit to see. I was just trying to get a sense of what would pique her curiosity. No doubt this piques it more than any of the others.
1: There's a toy line on the way. (laughs) (laughs) I believe it. So, Roscoe, how about you? What are your thoughts? For me, this highlighted...
0: Something that I hadn't considered before... But is really clear to me now with children's animation. And even though it's a a Star Trek TV series they've done it so so well this show communicates through colour, the whole colour spectrum is there and this show communicates through the use of different colours so when we're mining when we're underground in the prison then it's dark and it's oppressive and there's reds and then you've got the bad guys who are black and red and the menace is really there as well and it's very clear that They're the bad guys. We're not quite sure about rock talk. Because, again, she's, she's red and menacing, and, and, but then we see the change because we see her eyes are blue. And also in the center of her chest, she's lighter in color as well. So we know that she's actually a great character. She's a good character because she might be red on the outside and, and rocky in a hard exterior. But at the, her core, we can see that she's a, a good person, as it were. We can see in the blue eyes that this is a, this is a great character. Characters like Dahl, he's a little bit more ambiguous because he's not red, he's not blue. He's in the middle, he's purple. So he's our he's our hero, but it could be a little bit of an anti-hero as well. So this, it really stood out to me. And and Murph, let's not forget about Murph because we love Murph and his um, his big slug butt sitting on a console. Fantastic. But he's purple and he's blue. So he's, he's good. He's nothing but good. We get out into open space and the whole universe of color there is there waiting for us. It really... Sp- stopped me in my tracks to see how visual a show this was. When you can have control of every element in an animation like this, how much detail can you go into? And the creators have gone into a lot of detail just to tell us a story through the color spectrum. It's absolutely beautiful. And it was a great way to set up an entire new Star Trek TV series. And the thing happened that I had a feeling would happen was that we would get right to the end of the episode, the Janeway Hologram would turn up, and then it's to be continued.
1: On behalf of
2: Starfleet, welcome aboard. How can I be of assistance?
0: What is that? I have no idea.
1: Never mind. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to end our first review of Star Trek Prodigy. We are excited to go on this adventure with you all. Be sure to use our affiliate link if you have not already signed up for Paramount Plus and have been on the fence. That affiliate link will be in our show notes. Dr. Chan, Michael, thank you so very much for being a part of this episode. And we will see you back here for another one.
2: Thanks for the invitation.
1: Now, let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming.
2: Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies.
1: Open. See?
2: We are getting to know each other.
1: Well, Captains, Hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. This week we
0: asked, which Star Trek character's holodeck costume would you wear to a Halloween party?
1: Yeah. On Twitter, Captain BG 2301 replied, Ah, man, I think I would either do Vicks or Dixon Hill.
0: Via Facebook, Dave Rutley wrote The only holodeck character Halloween costume I would conceivably pull off would be Vic Fontaine.
1: And since we record this episode live on Tuesday nights in front of a live audience, we turn to them for their feedback as well. Matt Black says, Data's Sherlock Holmes.
0: And Andy Apocalypse says, One of the Borg when they went onto the holodeck. mg 96 Quark with a gynen hat. Zeph Films says, The taxi driver who calls Kirk a dumbass. Well, double dumbass on you. We also asked,
1: just for fun, which Star Trek actor would you like to eat lunch with?
0: Before we do that, and Jamal Taylor says, Miles and Julian in their Spitfire pilot gear. That would be my go-to as well, Jamal. <laughs> Something that Miles and Julian wore on the holodeck deck, possibly Battle of Thermopylae.
1: You two should arrange the next time you're in the States, Roscoe, mm-hmm. the two of you should arrange uh, Happy to do that. ...to do a... a- Miles and Julian. But, that wraps up episode 529 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. However, there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends.
0: But, we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters, like David K. Rutley, Peter
1: Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. Captains, it's important to us that you get your Your voice heard, and we encourage you to participate in our conversations. Leave us a comment or a voicemail via our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can also check us out on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod. And if you're still craving more, be
0: sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, Cat, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of the amazing members. With regular giveaways, there is something for all Star Trek Online. Online players, whether you are new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times. If you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. And Elio, don't forget this Saturday, the amazing gaming events that you and Kat are involved in as well.
1: That's right. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Captains, we understand that we're not quite back to normal yet, so we are humbled by the continued support of our patrons who find enough value in the content that we produce that they decide to contribute to this show. Find out more and how you can support the show by visiting PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash priority one.
0: And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts and heroes rise brings you up to date with the world of dungeons and dragons learn all about the latest publications tools tips tricks and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets
1: Thanks to our audio editors. This week, intro and closing were edited by William. Track it out by Alex. Gaming by Gray. And on screen by Roscoe. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our graphic artist, Alejandro, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to our social media managers, Sarah and James. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible.
0: Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Engage. Cast and crew p- No, I knew I was gonna mess this up. I <laughs> wrote it and I mess. I'm gonna mess it up. There was some good alliteration there.
1: Why? Thank you. What are you doing? I got a bit of an alfalfa look going on here. <laughs> I took a shower when I got home from work because I got drenched okay. taking mass transit today. And I was like, I don't feel like I don't feel like combing my hair again tonight.
0: But you were going so. you were coming on the stream, and here you are. You're I'm, not prepared. Okay. I'm prepared. What I, kind I of community? It. I combed it forward. I combed it forward. What kind of a community production, okay? Community theater production is this where you haven't you have turned up and you have not done your makeup and you have not
1: done your own hair. Roscoe, I'm wearing pants. Be grateful for that, okay? <laughs> I lack the heart. Don't where my heart will take me. Don't have Have non- none of those things, none of those things. Well, well, I certainly needed to. <laughs> no, no, you're not allowed. No, you that can't do that because if it was going to be chairman. a Janeway
0: impersonator, she'll she'll come at you.
1: I'd love to go with Saru, but I doubt I could survive the hoof boots. But Bo- damn, I said normald, normald. Yeah,
0: it's, it's not back to normald.
1: That's it's how you can tell world. it's
0: different. We're normal. not back to normal. We're not back to normal. No. Ah, okay.
2: This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.